<laughs> I am glad to be here. I know we're happy to be home. We miss you guys, and uh, but it was fun. This morning, we're going to continue on in Philippians, and as Miss Becky said, we're going to be in chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 11, actually, if you'll turn there and, and uh, get ready for... Uh, this passage of Scripture, but really this is probably one of the, and you hear me say this a lot, I know, but this is probably one of the greatest passages ever written in the Bible. This is a very good passage. It's a very strong passage written about Jesus Christ. And, and what it begins to do as we look at it is it begins to paint this, this, this perfect picture of humility, this perfect picture of the, the humility of Jesus Christ. And, and it's a very important thing for us to see because really no one has ever come close to, to humbling themselves quite the way that Jesus Christ did. And I don't believe anybody will ever be able to match what he's done. It's, but but there, I start to think about the church and I start to think about how he's done all this for the church. And, and I start to think, well, if the problems of the church and of the world are ever going to be solved then we're going to have to begin to humble ourselves just as Christ did. We're going to have to learn to put our pride aside, to humble ourselves as he did. Because I begin to see that the church, and we can say crown peak, or we can say the church as a whole, the universal church, I believe is, is very much too often divided. It's very often too much rumbling and criticism going within the church. There's too much murmuring. There's too many differences. There's too much jealousy. There's too much envy. There's too much... <clears throat> ambition, and when I say ambition about seeking self and position and recognition, there's too much outside talk, there's too many negative feelings, because we refuse to humble ourselves as Christ did. And I think it's a very important thing that we begin to see that the only answer is, is, is really what this passage declares, and that's humility. And what that means is letting the humility of Jesus Christ flow in and out of our minds to become like Christ, the Bible says. We started talking about humility, or we started talking about <coughs> unity in the first part of this. And we saw that, that Jesus Christ is the, the very first answer to that. But, but the unity of the church also depends on this one thing, and that's that all of its members begin to walk in humility, in the humility of Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful passage of Scripture that, that shows the humility of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave it all up, Father God, to come and to dwell among men. And Lord, how he showed us the mind that we should have, the attitude that we should have, that of Christ, not of ourselves. And so, Father, as we begin to take a look this morning at the humility of Jesus Christ and, and the example that he's setting, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds. God, help us even now to set our pride aside. Yeah, help us to set aside that, that thought of, well, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And God, help us to see that maybe we're not doing it so good. 
Lord, I pray that we're not thinking of the person next to us or across the aisle from us or a few rows in front of us. But God, we focus on ourselves and and what does it look like for me to have the mind of Christ? Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your scripture. Lord, help us to follow your scripture. Not a man. To follow you, Father God, as the sovereign God. Help us to open ourselves to change, to being exactly who you've called us to be. Open our minds to this message, this message of this important passage of Scripture. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about a few things this morning that we begin to see in these verses. In verse 5, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what we begin to see here in verse 5 is that Jesus Christ is really the supreme example of humility. He is humility itself. As I said, this is one of those great passages that, and one of the greatest ones ever written really about Jesus Christ. And, and really very simply what this passage says is that, that Jesus Christ is God, but yet Jesus humbled himself and became a man. This is very key in this passage. It's very key for us to see that Jesus Christ is the person who dwelt in all the glory of perfection. And I want you to understand this. He dwelt in all the glory of perfection. He dwelt in heaven with his Father. Everything perfect. Yet he humbles himself and he comes to this corruptible world that really knows little else, I believe, than other other than selfishness and greed and death. Yet Christ humbled himself and comes to dwell with us. And I want you to imagine the enormous step that Jesus Christ must have had to take to become this man, to become just a man to dwell among us. I believe that it's probably pretty, really utterly almost impossible for us to understand completely. But that's what he did. And what makes it even more amazing to me is it's what we're to do. It's what we're to do. It's not enough just to look at Jesus and go, boy, did he ever humble himself. Look at that guy. He's amazing. We're to have that same attitude. We're to have that same mind of humbling ourselves. The very mind of Christ is to be in us. And the only way that the problems of the world are really ever going to be solved is for every person who calls themselves the son of God or a child of God, a daughter of God, for that person to let the mind of Christ dwell within us. And to flood our minds. I started thinking of a list of, of, of problems that we see in the world. I just kind of want to list some off to you. And I know there could be a lot more. But, but think about war and hate. Think about anger, arguing, abuse, prejudice, indulgence, extravagance, hoarding, greed, stealing, envy, selfishness, pride, haughtiness, arrogance, cursing, hunger, homelessness, poverty, Disease, jealousy, immorality. I could go on and on with a list like this. But how could all of these problems or many of these problems ever be solved unless we step down from our high and mighty selves and humble ourselves as Christ did and, and, and step into where the needs of the people are? How will we ever change the world? We have to step down. We have to humble ourselves. We have to step down to where the hurting people are. Or these problems will never be solved or even attempted to be solved. 
I start thinking about that list and I look at it and I think, well, realistically, most people are not going to do it. Ms. Becky hits on a, on a pretty interesting point. You know, what if, it's interesting. One of the first things, one of the things I saw her pull that robe out, but I've learned to ignore that. And then she pulled that remote out. And what was the first thought that went through my mind? Why did she bring my remote? How are we ever going to give ourselves over and come down and humble ourselves before the needy people of the world if we're not willing to give up our remotes? Most people aren't going to take all that they are and all that they have and get down to where the needs really are. It's not going to happen. Most people aren't going to do it. But we as the children of Christ are to do this. We as Christians, we are called to do this. We are told and commanded to do this. That's the point of this passage here that we're studying this morning. Jesus Christ set and focused his mind on humbling himself. He set and focused his mind on humbling himself. It wasn't a passing thought. It was always there. His mind was set on that is ours Jesus took all that he was all that he had and he came down where we are and he met our needs and so I started thinking about this it says let let this mind be in you which is also in Christ take the mind of Christ and we let it flow through us let the mind of the humility of the lowliness surge through our minds that's what we are called to do we are to take all that we are all that we have and we are to get down to where the needs really are we are to do all that we can to solve the divisiveness and the cliques, the grumbling and the murmuring, the selfish ambition and pride, the desire for position and power, greed and selfishness, hurt and pain, both inside and outside the church. We are to humble ourselves to that point. We are to humble ourselves to do all that we can to solve the awful problems that afflict the church and afflict the world. I don't know, sometimes I think we get so focused on the world we forget about what's going on in the church too. And you say, well, Rick, we're supposed to go out. Yes, we are. But you know what the Bible, I I see a lot in the Bible, it says even more so for those who believe. See, we're too busy fighting each other to make a difference in the world. And why do we fight each other? Because we're not willing to humble ourselves. We're not willing to humble ourselves and and take a look at a Christian who may be in need and say, well, they're a Christian, they should know better. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe nobody's ever invested in them. Maybe nobody's ever really cared that they hurt because they think, well, they got Christ, they can't hurt. Really? Yes, we need to be going out, and I preach it. But the Bible shows that our love for each other should be like this. And we can't do it if we're not willing to humble ourselves. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Look at the mind of Christ. We shouldn't be missing out on the opportunity of of an eternity, this privilege of possessing the very mind of Christ himself and becoming more like him every day. I want you to look at verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. I love that verse. Christ is of the very nature of God. He is of the very nature of God. This is a very critical thing for us to begin to note and for us to see. What this means is is that Jesus Christ, he's not like God. He is 
God. Jesus Christ did not achieve a high level of righteousness when he came to this earth, but he is the very embodiment of righteousness. Jesus Christ didn't just walk more perfectly than other men on this earth, but he is the very picture, the very essence of perfection itself. That's who Jesus Christ is. That Jesus Christ didn't become God when he was on earth. He was God throughout eternity. A sovereign God. And so I begin to look at the points of this verse and I kind of see three things that, that really clearly show us that Jesus Christ is God, should you have any doubts. The first thing is Jesus Christ is of the very nature of God, as I said. He's of the very nature. What does this mean? It says Jesus Christ is of the existence of God. That word existence means being. The very being of God. What that is and, and what that word existence means is it's what we are as a person, within and without. It's the very essence of who we are. The very essence of what we are. It's that part of us that cannot be changed. It's one who a person is. It's what we're all about who we are. And, and, and I think about this truth because it means that Jesus Christ is God. That's what this means. He is the very being, the very essence of God. John 1.1 1, 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But we also see that Jesus Christ is in the form of God there. The word form here, morph means the permanent, constant being of a person. This is pretty important. It's the very essence, again, of that person, the part of him that never changes. It's that unchangeable being that we've been made to be. And, and many of the scholars, many of the, 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 the commentators, they point out something here about this word form because there's another word in the Greek translated form, and it's shema. And what that word means is it's, it's that fleeting or outward form of a person. It's that, that, that part of a person that's always changing. What, what it means is like as we get older, we kind of change, right? Our hair starts to turn gray. We get a little wrinkly. There's some things that happen that, that kind of change on the outside. Maybe it's the fashions that we wear. Robes. But his manhood, the morph, never changes. This means a great thing again, that Jesus is the very essence and the very being and the very image of God. He is the divine, unchangeable God himself. That's what this form is. He dwells in the very perfection, in the very essence of God himself. He possesses, hear me, the very attributes of God himself. That's who Jesus Christ is. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. But we also see that Jesus Christ is equal with God. And I like this because that equal means to be on an equal basis with God. What it means is to possess all the qualities, all the attributes of God Himself. That's what that means. And I want you to notice the word grasped. I think many times we take a look at this word grasp and, and we don't quite understand what that means. But what it is, it's this picture of a thief who's seeking to snatch or to take something that's not his. See, we think it's something to grab after. But this is a picture of a thief stealing something. When Jesus Christ was on earth, he was constantly claiming what? He was constantly to be God, to be the Son of God, to have the nature of God, to be one with God, to be on an equal basis with God. Was Jesus a thief? 
Was, was, was he robbing and snatching the title of God or was he truly God? And the answer is he's God. He is God. Jesus Christ didn't have to rob or snatch equality with God. It was his. It was already his on an equal basis with God himself because he left perfection to come be with us. He is God. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. John 8.58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Don't you love that? God in the Old Testament said, well, he said, well, who should I tell him sent me? He says, say, I am sent me. And Jesus says, I am. Verse 7, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Christ emptied himself and became a man. He completely emptied himself. Again, this is important. I want you to remember we're dealing with this subject of humility, correct? And the fact that Jesus Christ took this one great step down from heaven to earth. He's humbling himself. And to step down was so great and so far that, that when you begin to read this, the theologians, they don't call it the humility of Christ. They actually call it the humiliation of Christ. The humiliation of Christ. This, the sovereign Lord, right? Sovereign Lord of the universe. Sovereign God of the universe who existed in eternity and perfection, who existed in glory and majesty, who existed in dominion and power, stepped down from that and became a man. Wow. But more than this, more than this, He, God, who was Lord and Master of the universe, who deserved all honor and glory, who who deserved all service of all the living creatures, took himself the form of a servant. He became a servant of men, not only of God, but a servant of men. And I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you just to imagine in your mind for a minute that the Lord, who we are to serve, came and served us. The Lord whom we are to love came and loved us. The Lord whom we are to adore came and adored us. The Lord whom we are to wait on came and waited on us. The Lord whom we are to minister to came and ministered to us. And the Lord whom we are to seek came and sought us. The great distance between the majesty of Christ in heaven and the humiliation of Christ on earth can never be measured. I thought, well, how can we measure it? Well, the the understanding that I maybe could have would be like a bucket of water compared to the ocean. I don't think we could ever really grasp it. I don't think we can really even quite understand it. But we are commanded to let the same mind of humility flow through us. The same mind of humility flow through us. So what do we have to do? (laughs) Here comes the hard part. We have to study the deep humility of Jesus Christ. We have to do our best to grasp and to practice that humility. Not to be filled with pride. Not to be filled with arrogance. I mentioned a whole list of things. Why do arguments happen? 
because both sides think they're right. Fact is, one side might be right. I usually am. Just ask my wife. But the reason arguments turn into fights is because neither side is willing to hum- humble themselves to the point of giving. I love telling people, you know what the best compromise in life is? When both sides are uncomfortable. A lot of people just, that blows their mind. What? What? There's two statements in this verse that I think we really need to study. The first one is, Jesus Christ emptied himself. Jesus Christ emptied himself. The word emptied there means to completely empty. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? It's kind of the picture of pouring a glass of water until it's empty. It's, it's something that, that has been removed from something. It's been emptied. It's dump, dumping something until it's completely removed. It's the very picture of being completely empty, and it begins to stir this feeling of just how far Christ went in humbling himself for us. What was it that was poured or emptied out of Jesus? Christ, when he left heaven and came to earth, It doesn't really say, does it? The passage doesn't say, and I love this, because it causes us to begin to look at more Scripture. It causes us to go into the Bible more. It only says that Christ emptied Himself. But I believe there's some other Scriptures that help us, but but, but, that give us some indication of what Jesus Christ did. We have to understand, Christ didn't lay aside His deity when He came to the earth. Amen? He didn't lay that aside. He was 100% man, and He's 100% God. He could, understand me, what he just said before shows us that there was no way he could cease to be who he was, God. There's no way, because he is the essence, the being of God, amen? So he couldn't cease to be that. And really, when you think about it and apply it into our own lives, there's no person who can ever cease to be who they are. Have you ever tried that? We can take on a different trait or we can behave differently. We can change our behaviors. We can change our looks. But we still are the same person in being, in nature, in essence. We're still the same person. Jesus Christ is God. Therefore, he's always God. Amen. He will always possess the nature of God. I read to you John 1.1. 1, 1. If you read verse 2, it shows us that he is God. He was there from the beginning. But we also see that Christ laid aside some of his rights as God when he was here on this earth. He had to lay some rights aside. What were those rights that he would lay aside? Well, he had to lay aside his right to experience only the glory and majesty, the honor and the worship of heaven. And in coming to earth as a man, he was to experience anything but the glory and majesty and honor and worship. Amen. We saw how he was treated by us. We see how he's treated today by us. Men would treat him far differently than a heavenly being. Amen? But he also laid aside his right to appear only in heaven and to appear only as the sovereign God of heaven. He laid that right aside. And in coming to this earth as a man, he was, of course, to appear as a man on earth. Amen? Matthew Henry, I like him. He says this. Great statement. He said, He emptied himself, divested himself of the honors and glories of the upper world and of his former appearance to clothe himself with the rags of human nature. Jesus Christ 
emptied himself of certain rights. Again, the, the, the right to appear only in heaven, to experience only the glory of heaven. He, he gave up that right. And this is what he did when he, when he was about to be crucified, right? And he was about to return to heaven. He was praying to the Father and he said this. It's in John seventeen five. He said, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself. And listen to this, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. But he gave it up. Other scriptures, Hebrews 2, 16 through 18 says this. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for their sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he was, has suffered, he is able to come into aid to the aid of those who are tempted." He had to give it all up. He had to give up that right. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. 100% man, 100% God. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. He gave up the right. It also says there, though, that Jesus Christ was made in the likeness of men. I like this, made in the likeness of men. The word was made means this. It's, it's a definite entrance into time. To become a definite entrance into time. It's not a permanent state. I'm smiling about that because I love this. Jesus became a man, but it was not a permanent state for him. Isn't that awesome? Let it sink in. In the fullness of time, he made a definite entrance into the world as this man, right? Jesus Christ didn't come to earth as a prince or some great leader on the earth, right? As they all thought they would as the Jews. They thought he'd come as a conquering king, right? He didn't enter into the world that way. It says this. Matthew Henry, again, I'm, using, I'm on a Matthew Henry kick. It's either him or that other guy. He was brought up meanly, probably working with his supposed, I like how he says this, his supposed father at his trade. His whole life was a life of humiliation, meanness, poverty, and disgrace. He had nowhere to lay his head, lived upon alms, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, did not appear with external pomp or any marks of distinction from other men. This was the humiliation of his life. He came to earth as a man. He gave it all up. All those rights. Yes, he's God, but he gave up the rights of, of dwelling there in heaven with us in, in perfection. I was just thinking. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I look at an athlete or someone who was really high up, you know, was a hero in the world when, when they were playing the game, the football or baseball or whatever it was, they were this great hero of the time and, and people looked up to them. And then all of a sudden you see them after, maybe after they didn't, they didn't do the right things or for whatever reason, they're, they're, they're down in the dumps, they're down in the gutter. And, and what are our thoughts about them? 
It's kind of like sorrow. It's like, whoa, they were on top of the world, and now look at them. And I think about that, and I think they didn't have a choice. We feel bad for them because they were on top of the world, man. They had it all. And now they're here, and they're there because maybe they didn't have a choice. Maybe they made some bad choices, whatever it is. But Jesus Christ said, I will come from here, and I will dwell with men. A conscious choice to give it all up. And as Matthew Henry said, nowhere to lay his head, lived on alms, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, did not appear with external pomp or any marks of distinction from other men. That's what Jesus did. John 13, 2 through 5 says, During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. But did you hear what it said? He knew he was going home. He knew he was going to dwell with the Father again. His entrance to this time to be with us was only for a time. It wasn't permanent. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He became a man. He leads the example for us as his children to live our lives, one of humility, that he would become poor, that we, through him, might come to become rich. And I think about that in our lives. Should we have this mind of Christ? Should we humble ourselves as we are called to do, as Christ did? How many could we lead to the Lord? How many could we lead to reconciliation? How many problems could we avoid in our families? in our churches, in our jobs, in our schools, if we would only humble ourselves. If we are to have unity in the church, and again, we can say Crown Peak or we can say the church as a whole. If we are to have unity in the church, We are going to have to follow Christ's example. And one of the great examples he gives us throughout Scripture is humility. That list that I shared with you this morning. Wars. Are there just wars at times? Yeah, we see that. But what are the majority of problems that we're having in the world today that are threatening war with us? It's pride. It's I want my way. It's all about me. It's not about anybody else. It's all about me. If we could learn to humble ourselves as Christ has commanded us to humble ourselves, there can be unity not only just in Crown Peak but in the church as a whole. But each must humble themselves. Each must have the mind of Christ. My translation, we need to get over ourselves. Maybe the next time you decide to to be angry 
at a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe first check yourself. You know, the Bible's pretty specific about taking that log out of your eye, and we kind of get that. But maybe we just need to check ourselves and say, am I being humble in this? What is my reason for the argument? What is my reason for the fight? Do I even have a real reason? Or maybe you're in an argument now. Maybe there's some problems going on between you and someone else right now. Maybe you can step back from it and say, okay, am I just trying to win here? Is it all about my perspective? And maybe your perspective is the right one. Don't get me wrong. But I know there's a, the, 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 one of the problems I have in myself is that when I begin to get into a discussion, I'm very competitive. And pretty soon, if I keep it up, it just becomes about winning that argument because I know I can. But is that to the glory of God or is it to the glory of Rick? Jesus says, have this mind in you. As we approach this world out here, as we approach one another, we need to approach each person humbly. We need to get over ourselves. And then we'll begin to see through the mind of Christ and through the eyes of Christ how maybe we can handle each and every situation. And then we'll see a united church, a united church. Father, we thank you so much for our time in your scripture this morning for this, this, this small part. And God, I thank you for the example that Jesus Christ gives us in humility. Lord, it seems to be a hard issue for many of us. Lord, I know at times it's a, it's a very hard issue for me. But God, if we are to do what you've called us to do, if we are to help a sick and dying world, if we are to help a world who are dying and going to hell, God, we've got to humble ourselves. We have to get ourselves down to where the needs are, Father God. We can't keep our hands clean. Father, help us to love one another with a humble heart. Lord, there's plenty of things that we can fight and argue about. There's plenty of things we can be mad about, both within the church and without. We can find things, Father. God, it's so easy. I, I, I can find so many things to be upset about. But why? What good does it do? What glory does it bring to you when I'm sitting on the sideline, ticked off and not doing anything because I refuse to humble myself and look at the situation through your eyes? God, help us to get over ourselves. No more selfishness. Help us to have this mind, the mind of Christ within us, that humbleness. And then, God, we will see the difference that we're to make. We will see the great things, Father. And yeah, it'll be hard. I know it'll be hard. But Father, you say you'll always be with us. So whom shall I fear? I'll fear no man. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name.